Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. You can wrap this one, my friend, in maroon and white. Ten seconds, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. Bingo! You're listening to Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. Bragging if it's true, covering Mississippi State sports like nobody else. That's all thanks to you guys for tuning in here. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Your Super Talk app, your Super Talk affiliate, supertalk.fm, Super Talk TV. Every week, it feels like we add a new way for you to keep in contact with us. And we do appreciate you guys tuning in, especially me, Rhino, there in the studio. He gives you wings, does Rhino. He makes sure everything goes the right way here on Thunder and Lightning. It almost didn't go the right way for Mississippi State on Saturday night. I've been doing this for quite a while. I've been uh, covering Mississippi State. Since 2011, uh, I've been doing podcasts since then, and I've been on this radio network since 2018. And I got to be honest, I don't recall a law, a win, a win where people walked out and they were more unhappy than I do from this one. I mean, I, I've, I've been trying to think of one. Maybe some in Mullen's third year when they played La Tech close and played UAB close, but I mean, the the general feeling has just been like. That was awful. And State won. They won an SEC game. It is what it is. Mississippi State 39, Auburn 33 in overtime uh, this past Saturday at Davis Wade Stadium. Where I got to take the game in from the fan perspective. Have not done that in a little while. I guess I did it last year at the Egg Bowl with the, uh, the, the, the setup I had with Alex McDaniel. But even then, I was more like I was concerned with putting out content and stuff like that. This one was just me getting to hang out with friends and, and enjoy the game. And I did. I did enjoy the game for the first half, and then the second half was a little bit more uh, more taxing on us. But there were some there were some positives. We will take some positives from this as best we can. Now, overall, state played really poorly, uh, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and they have they've done some things, guys. I, I can't. We're going to go over some stats in the when we come back in in, in our second. Uh, Second segment, and, and we're going to talk about some stats that are, they may blow your mind, to be totally honest with you. My eyes were opened a lot as to what's going on with state offensively, but early on in the game, it, it looked like they were rolling right along. They get out to a, a 24 to 3 lead. They're playing well on special teams. You know, Tulu Griffin finally gets a kickoff to go into the end zone or, or gets a kickoff return to go into the end zone. Uh, and Will Rogers is throwing the ball, a couple of quick touchdown passes in there to Caleb Ducking and Ra Ra Thomas. State's running the ball effectively, and you think, okay, Auburn's terrible. They're going to lay down any minute now. And instead, State just let them hang around and then let them score. And when I say let them, let them is a, is a stretch, right? Auburn played hard, and they played they played about, I tell you, I think Auburn played about as well as they were capable of playing. They've played well in both games against the Mississippi schools this year. They just didn't have enough firepower to get the win in either one of them. Um, But State just... Could not get anything going. You know, we, we've talked in the past about Leach and the offense just stalling out for times. It stalled out for basically two full quarters 
in this one. And then finally there at the end, they, they had enough juice to, to, to come back. Came back twice in that game. You know, down 25-24, they get the lead. Uh, down 30, uh, what, 33-30, uh, they get the lead back. And, or they got, they tie the game and then go into overtime and get the win. And the win was important. Miraculously, I don't know if miraculously is the right word. I don't know, maybe I'm being harsh, but state is still on the schedule that I, uh, that I put them on back in June to finish eight and four. The old, the old miss game, I know what it is at this point. I know that state's going to be an underdog in that game. I know that state's going to, you know, have to play their best and, and hope Ole Miss makes some mistakes in that game. I know that, but you're still on schedule. And you can lose this week and still be on that schedule. And that's, you know, that's a tall order coming to Starkville this weekend with the Georgia Bulldogs, the number one team in all of college football, playing at an incredibly high level, coming off of a huge win over uh, Tennessee this past week. And that's a, a situation where in most situa- most I'm not, I'm not going to say it twice. That's a situation where most times you would you know, say, okay, well, they're coming off of a big win like that, an emotional win. Uh, they're due maybe a little bit for for a letdown, traveling on the road to a place where none of their players have ever played. This is Georgia's first trip to Starkville since 2010. You got something there, but State has just been so stagnant offensively that it's difficult to wrap your head around the idea of the upset. It's It may even be difficult to wrap your head around the idea of State being in the game. Now, what I would say to that, and we'll, I'll go into a lot more detail in tomorrow's Thunder and Lightning podcast about this particular topic, but... We see crazy things happen in college football every weekend. Mississippi State hanging around with Georgia and playing competitively into the fourth quarter would not be the craziest thing we've seen this season. It wouldn't even be in the top ten. You know, Missouri is a worse football team than Mississippi State. They lost by four. I, I would tell you right now that if State plays at its peak, the way it played against A&M and Arkansas, and Georgia plays the way they played against Missouri, I would think State could win that game. The problem is right now Georgia is playing really, really well. Uh, they they really are rolling uh, offensively. They have a ton of playmakers. Not a, not a superstar outside of their tight end, which is kind of crazy, right? Not a, not a not a first round receiver or running back that you, that you would just throw out there. Their tight end though might be a top five pick next year when he's draft eligible. Might be the high. I don't, I don't know who the highest tight end ever picked was in the NFL draft, but Brock Bowers has a chance to be that guy. He's a really good football player. Stetson Bennett, just solid. Just solid, man. Really good college football player. One of the most underrated college football players we've seen in the last decade. A guy that everybody was willing to run off. Just don't need him. He's a walk-on. What do you need? Now he's the defending national champion and has a great chance to, to make it back-to-back. So a lot going on there for Mississippi State. It's, a, it's going to be a tall order for the Bulldogs. There's no question about that. They do have some good news. It looks like Emmanuel Forbes will be back this weekend. Uh, he missed last weekend with an injury, but uh, as we talked about last week, it, it was always going to be just a one-week deal. Expect him back on the field. And honestly, State needs him because he's the only player, in my opinion, on either side of the ball that matches up with, with Georgia talent-wise. He's, their, he's the one guy. You know, if you said pick a player from Mississippi State you think could start for Georgia, it would be Emmanuel Forbes. I don't I don't know that I would have another one, to be totally honest with you. Georgia, on the other hand, loaded. Absolutely loaded. And and, and credit Kirby Smart and his staff, the recruiting job they've done, because they lost a ton of talent to the point where we all thought, okay, they're going to take a little step back. And instead they're playing better at times than they played last year, especially on the offensive side of the ball. 
and they'll bring that to Starkville, knowing that if they win, they clinch the SEC East, they clinch their spot in Atlanta, and uh, they'll go from there. For Mississippi State, it's just about positive things, trying to find positive things. You know, I, f- I feel like, and I'm guilty of it too. There's the, the people talk about you know you can't win. Yeah, in college football, you can always win. And this, 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 it, Alabama can lose to Vanderbilt on the right day. Things have to go really good for Vanderbilt and really bad for Alabama, but it, it's it's doable. The same things here, and and state's much better than uh, Vanderbilt is. Of course, Georgia's much better than Alabama is at this point. I guess I could say that pretty easily, too. Um, so I'm interested to see what Mississippi State team shows up Saturday night. And State's been good at home on offense, even with all the troubles they had last week. They still put 39 points on the board. I know they had special teams touchdowns. I'm not taking special teams and interceptions and stuff out. You know, those points count. They They go towards the win. So I won't take those out, but... At home, State's averaging 40 points a game this year. They've been really good offensively there. That's where Will Rogers has played his best. So we'll see if it, they can make it happen again. If you know, I'm not saying they're going to put up 40 points. Obviously, Georgia's defense way, way, way too good for that. But I think offensively, State can have some success against Georgia, and I think defensively, State can have some success against Georgia. And it's just a question of can you combine that and Georgia makes a few mistakes, and then poof. You got a game. You got something going on there in the uh, in the fourth quarter. Is that the going to be the case? I don't see why it can't be. There is no can't in college football. Every week somebody says can't, and then three hours later they're saying, "Well, it happened." There've been much crazier results in the SEC this season than there would be Mississippi State knocking off Georgia. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. I, I think State, like I said, I, I, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to predict them to win at the end of this show. I might even tell you that you feel pretty comfortable taking the uh, the 16 points and, and giving them to, uh, to Georgia if you were so inclined to make a wager. But there's plenty of opportunities for Mississippi State to go out and play a good game, play the kind of game we've seen them play this year several times. And play the if Georgia plays the kind of game we've seen them play a couple of times this year, we could be talking about one of the big upsets of the season, and that would be a huge difference maker not only for this team but for this football program at, at large. So, what to talk about when we come back? I've got a couple of stats that I want to talk about for Mississippi State, and uh, when you hear them, they're either going to make you mad or they're going to make you really mad. We'll talk about that when we come back. This is Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Welcome back to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. That's Rhino there in Studio X, making sure 
We don't just fly off into the moon or anything like that. I said I had a couple of stats here for you. If you uh, if you look at my, I mean, I think it's still the same. If you look, yeah. If you look at my uh, my Twitter page, or it doesn't say it anymore. It used to say I loved a good arcane statistic. I like statistics that you know that you don't just see in the box score. You got to do a little research for it. So that's what I did because it's been bothering me lately about the way State is running its offense and the way they have just completely abandoned the running game, which was so successful early in the year. So when you look at State first six games where they were 5-1, and one, ran the ball for 97 yards against Memphis, 106 against Arizona, 75 in the loss to LSU, not great. They only ran the ball 11 times for 45 yards against Bowling Green, but it was Bowling Green. It didn't matter. And then the back-to-back huge games, 144 yards rushing against Texas A&M, then 162 against Arkansas. And I think everybody left Davis Wade Stadium after the Arkansas game saying, wow, this offense has really found its balance. It's found its, its that gear. Uh, it's gonna, They're going to run the football effectively all year. And then they played Kentucky. And Kentucky did something to Mississippi State defensively that they were not prepared for, that they weren't expecting. And since that day, Mississippi State has basically just waved the white flag on the running game. So here's what we've got. So State's running backs. Now, in the in the Arkansas game, 36 carries total. And I know that that is, you know, all running backs. All running backs. State didn't have a sack in that game, so there's no Will Rogers uh, bringing you down with negative yardage there. And on top of that, he didn't have a carry. So 36 carries from the running backs in the game against Arkansas. In the, pr- the next three games, running back carries only. Combined, 38 carries. So you go from handing the ball off 36 times in one game to you've handed the ball off 38 times in three games. Guys, that's not beating anybody. You you can't play football like that. You just can't. Not in the SEC. You you just can't. We'll go a little bit bit further here. Against Arkansas, Mississippi State rushed for 162 yards. Big day running the football. It was their best offensive day total. They had 568 yards of total offense. I don't think it's a surprise that with 162 yards rushing that Will Rogers threw for 406 yards. He had he had huge open lanes to throw in because Arkansas couldn't stop the run. So 162 yards against Texas against Arkansas in the previous the next three games, a total of 98 rushing yards. 98 in three games. That's that's reverting back to 2020 Mississippi State offense, Bleach's first year where they simply could not run the football at all at points in the season. But what's frustrating, obviously, is, is that we've seen them run the football. And I, I know you know you hear people, the pundits and people you know talking about, well, teams are defending Mississippi State different, and they are. If you go back and watch the A&M and the Arkansas game, there's a lot of the famous you know, rush three, drop eight. And give Rodgers and, and company credit. They did a great job of diagnosing that, and they, they took advantage of it. And now you're seeing teams put an extra guy, maybe two extra guys in the box. And I get that that makes it more difficult to run. I, I totally understand. you got an extra guy to defend. you only got five blockers. So if, you know, if there's six or seven in the box, sure, I get it. There should be somebody open, but, you know, whatever. But five or six in the box, I'm not sure, you know, what are you doing? If the offense is that fragile that you can't run the football, 
because one extra guy or two extra guys are, are, are jumping in the box? Well, you got no chance for success. I mean, no chance whatsoever. And, and, and look, I make these comments all the time about, well, you know, Leach could do this and do that, and, and there are always things that he's never going to do. He's not going to start playing with a tight end. He's not going to be running a lot of two-back sets. He's not going to bring an extra lineman in from time to time to help. He's not. It's just not going to happen. I might as well say, well, you know, if you recruit Adrian, go get Adrian Peterson real quick. It's not. It's not happening. So you know, just sort of put that beside. But it is on Mike Leach, and it is on uh, the head coach to find solutions. Because it can't continue like this. You got you got no chance of beating Georgia and Ole Miss playing offense like this. State threw the ball from mid second quarter to almost the end of the third quarter, twenty four straight plays. Think about Georgia and what they like to do defensively and how talented they are up front. Their defensive line is far superior to Mississippi State's offensive line. If you're going to do something like that, where you're you're telling them what the play is, it's a pass, it's a pass, it's a pass, and they don't have to worry about Will Rogers pulling on a zone read, or they don't have to worry about a draw play or anything like that. They can just come get the quarterback. Twenty-four straight pass, passes against Georgia. Will Rogers is going down at least four times, at least four times. And then on top of that, you you I mean you might complete twenty passes in there. You might complete 18, 20 passes, but you're not going to get more than 70, 80 yards in there. You just can't be that predictable on offense in the SEC unless you're totally dominant talent-wise, and even then it's probably you're running the ball that much. Usually, and By the way, let's point this out. All of that happening is with the lead. You have the lead, that's when you normally run the football to try to you know run the clock, and I'm not talking about running the clock out in the second quarter. But when you have the lead, is not normally the time you throw 24 straight straight passes. Normally, that's when you're down 24 to three, not up 24 to three. That's that, that. Those statistics blew my mind when I read them, especially the one about the carries. And I know Dylan Johnson has been hurt. He's missed you know he missed the Alabama game. He wasn't 100 percent last week against Auburn. But Marks and Price. You have to give those guys opportunities. You cannot just simply throw up your hands in the air and go, "Well, there's five in the box, so we can't run." That's just not that's not an answer. That's not an, an, a solution that I am willing to accept. Because if if you are going to do that, you're going to continue to lose. I mean, am I supposed to believe? You know, we talked so much about the rush three drop A's. Like, is this the the what kills the air raid? And and Leach was so adamant. Look, guys, I've been doing this for my whole career. I know how to, I know how to break. It'll be all right. And then it turned into yeah, he did know how to break it, and he started getting some big some big numbers. Well, now it's turned into okay, teams aren't going to do that anymore. They're gonna they're gonna put guys at the line of scrimmage. They're gonna pressure Will Rogers. You don't have Charles Cross over there protecting Will Rogers' blindside anymore. We're going to make you work for those yards. We're going to we're going to put pressure on you, and make him make quick decisions. So now is it is that what the breaker is? Is that what the the, the kryptonite for the air raid offense is? Is to put pressure on them? Because if that's the case, well then you know what's going on. What are you doing? They've got to fix that this week against Georgia. And I said it once, and I'll say it again. There's got it's got to be a two headed approach. It's got to be Mike Leach calling run plays and Will Rogers staying in run, run plays. 
And there has to be a conversation had. Like, Will, we're going to run the ball here, and if you change to a pass play here, I'm going to bring you out for a series. And we're going to see what happens. But we're going to run the ball on this play. And if we get one yard, ten yards, twenty yards, I don't care. I just want to see the, the, the defense to see us hand the ball off so they think they're willing to hand the ball off. It's 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 it really is that simple to me. As far as I'm going. Looking at some of the text here on the uh, C Spire text line. Jason, big difference in can't run the ball and don't even try. Exactly. It's exactly correct. Hunter in Columbus says he expects the whole east side upper deck to be Georgia fans. I do believe there will be a big crowd from Georgia. A lot of red and black in the stadium. But I do think it will also be a good state state crowd. Well, it's sold out. It's been sold out for weeks. So what about J.J. Jernigan running back? I mean, he's the fourth string guy. What are we, what are we doing? I think I think Marks and, and Price can handle it. Uh, Pat from the Delta, or Dale from the Delta, says both. I wish we would get more drop eight. Yeah, it was easier. I mean, you go back and watch that Arkansas game, and they were committed to rush three drop eight, and State just ran the ball and ran the ball, and then when Rodgers wanted to throw, he had time, and he found guys open. And part of this is on Rodgers, too. He's got to take some more shots down the field. He's got to be willing to to, to gamble a little bit more. You're playing the number one team in the nation. You throw a pick, you throw a pick. But throw a 50-50 ball up and see if Ra-Ra Thomas can beat his man, see if Caleb Ducking can beat his man. And if he can... But then you got a big play, and if he can't, well, what was the difference? What was the difference between that and just throwing it two yards behind the line of scrimmage and you didn't get anything anyway? Like, I'm interested to see what, what State looks like. You know, we always talk about the underdog playing loose and, and playing not to lose, and a lot of times that's just kind of cliched. They come out and play the exact same way they play all the time. I would like to see that, though. I would like to see Will Rogers you know, just say, you know what, I'm just going to let it rip right here. And I mean, it's kind of funny playing, run, you know, running the ball isn't exactly letting it rip. But Mississippi State can't be this one-dimensional going forward. They simply cannot be if they want to have success in these final three games. When we come back, we're going to change gears. We're going to talk Mississippi State hoops. I was at the hump on Monday night for the beginning of the Chris Jans era. The uh, the Sam Purcell era is starting in about thirty minutes over at the hump. So we'll talk a little uh, little basketball. Uh, when we come back here on Thunder and Lightning, this is uh, this is Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. You called down the thunder. Well, now you got it. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Thanks for tuning in. If you ever miss the show or miss a Thunder and Lightning podcast, they're all wherever you like to get podcasts. Spotify, Apple, Google Play, wherever it is. And, of course, you can always just book. You should bookmark supertalk.fm, all the latest news uh, around our great state and around the country, plus all the sports content that we put out on a daily basis, clips from our shows, all of our podcasts, including this one, The Rebel Report, Sports Talk Mississippi, the Eagle Hour. It's a one-stop shop. And it, oh, did I mention it's free? Did I mention it doesn't cost you anything? No subscriptions? No, no, uh, no paywall? 
We don't have a Super Talk Blue working just yet. I'm going to be a little check mark says you're verified Super Talk user. None of that's happening at this time. So let's talk some hoops. I was at the hump uh, Monday night for the start of the Christians era. Got to be honest. Got to be honest. Started that that game started off, and I was thinking, okay, I'm going to have to tell people it's going to be a process. It's going to be a long rebuild here because they did not get off to a great start. And let's give Texas A&M Corpus Christi some credit. Uh, a tournament team a season ago returned a, a ton of players. And they came out hot, uh, and State did not. And, you know, from a shooting perspective, State was not great in that game, but I thought defensively they were very, very good, very active. They moved the ball around with a lot more uh, efficiency than they had in years past. Um, I'm not saying they look like a different team, a totally different team, but they played well as a team. I thought Tolu Smith, obviously, was really, really good. Such an old-school setup for Mississippi State. You know, their best player on the team is a power forward, and, and they got to try to find ways to get him the ball. This team definitely lacks a guy who can just create his own shot. But I say all that to say they won the game in pretty uh, dominating fashion. They outscored Texas A&M Corpus Christi by 24 points in the second half. They only held them them to 14 points total in the second half. Basically what I'm saying is this. Texas A&M, if you're listening, no matter where your campuses are, you're not safe for Mississippi State. You can put Texas, you can put Texas A&M in College Station, Corpus Christi, Houston, Dallas, El Paso. You can put a Texas A&M satellite campus on the moon. And Mississippi State's Aerospace Engineering Department will find a way to get to it and rack up a dub. So Aggies, Islanders, it doesn't matter. Texas A&M, you got nothing on Mississippi State right now. Your entire university system, from top to bottom. I blame Ross Bjork, and you should too. So, you know, it was the familiar names that were the, the best for the Bulldogs in this one. I thought DJ Jeffries, you know, not a great shooting night for him, but he had a couple of big buckets that sort of sparked State in the early going of the second half. Shaq Moore was the only other player in double figures. He had 11. And then from the, the newcomers, you know, you saw some flashes from here and there from Deshaun Davis. Um I, I like what I saw from Eric Reed and Jamel Horton. I thought Tyler Stevenson, the transfer from USM, he had a rough night. He had a little bit of a struggle. But we'll see if they, if they can't get him up to speed. Um, Sean Jones was the only freshman who played big minutes, which is interesting because he's a walk-on. You know, you're talking about you got scholarship freshmen who didn't play very much. Um, but all in all, I thought they, you know, I like the effort. I like the defensive intensity. Uh, I, I saw State go to a press a few times in this game, and it was effective. And that's something, you know, if you've listened to Thunder and Lightning, the podcast, the past, you know, few years with Howland, I was like, you've got all these athletes. You play, you know, you, I always thought with you know, you had Reggie Perry and Robert Woodard and Weatherspoon and, and, and all those guys. Like, you could press, and these guys are good athletes, and they could be effective, and they just would never do it. But when, when Jans broke it out uh, Monday night, it was very effective. So that's good to see. It's promising. You know, it's going to be a process. It is going to be a process with Jans. This team, if they go to the NCAA tournament, that guy should be SEC Coach of the Year. They're not ready for that just yet. But I see a coach who's been a winner everywhere he's been prior to this stop. And so I think that will continue. I think that you know he'll get this program going the right direction. But he's got to, you know, the recruiting is where he's going to have to step up a little bit. Did not have the greatest signing class in the world. Got some quality players, but you know he missed out on some big targets. So we'll see how that pans out. The other side of that coin is Sam Purcell, whose team debuts in about 20 minutes at the hump. Um, 
But he had a, today was National Signing Day, by the way, for those of you who don't know, for basketball, baseball, all your spring and winter sports, everything but football, basically. Um, and he signed a couple of top 100 girls to come into this program uh, next season, and, and they're expecting possibly another one in the, in the coming days. That's, that was reported earlier by my podcast partner, Robbie Falk. That's a team I think can get back in the tournament this year. Uh, because, you know, you know, in basketball, if you've got two great players, you're, you're really, that's almost half the, the work done. And with, with Anastasia Hayes and Jessica Carter returning to Mississippi State, you've got that. And then you've got some good role players around them. Jaquela Joyner stands out to me as one of those. I could see Purcell having this team back pretty quickly. I did an interview with him a few weeks ago, uh, or I guess two weeks ago. And the, the question I asked him, and, and it's, it's interesting when you think about it, right? So State's had, you know, Purcell is the fourth head coach this program has had in the last uh, you know, four seasons, right? You had Schaefer, then you had Penson, then you had Doug Novak last year when Penson had to step down, and now you have Sam Purcell. That would strike you as a program that's in utter chaos. Then you have the other side of the coin, which was four years ago this team was in the Elite Eight. Five years ago they played for a national title. Six years ago they played for a national title. So they're not that far removed from being one of the best programs in the country. So it's just a question of, you know, if you're looking at a pendulum, which way is it going to swing this year? I think the coaches, or the, it was either the coaches or the media had state eighth in the preseason polls. That's good enough to get you in the tournament. Last year I think that there were eight in the tournament from the SEC. Eighth or ninth is where state was predicted. So it's just a question of, you know, winning an extra game or two that they're, maybe they're not predicting you to win. But having Carter backing, having a real post, you've got to remember last year, State had no post presence late in the season. They were having to start Charlotte Cole, who, bless her heart, is just not a, you know, get down low and get rebounds kind of post player. She's more of, of what the NBA would call a stretch four, wants to play out there on the perimeter a little bit more. So now State's got a real force down low. They're going to bring, you know, they're bringing a, the great, the true freshman, uh, Debrisha, po, pro, Debrisha Poe. I couldn't, I almost messed that up big time. Uh, and I was told, uh, Robbie Falk again, by the way, nobody covers women's basketball quite like my podcast partner. Good player, good guy to cover. If you're, if you're into women's basketball, you should definitely be following Robbie. So they expect her in the lineup tonight. So that's a, that's a big step. So I'm excited to see what, what these two programs do. It's weird having two new coaches at the same time like this, you know, to sort of follow their timelines. I think Purcell's road back to, to the NCAA tournament is much shorter. He could be in this year. Jans, on the other hand, you know, by year two, you need to be, I think you need to be on the, on the bubble, at least. And I think that's very possible. I think that's very possible. What we got here, Jason asked, uh, how much does State turn the ball over after they settled in? That's a good point. Uh, they had, I think, a total of 16 turnovers, but I'm almost positive eight or nine of those were in the first six, seven minutes of the game. So what you're saying, and let me read the whole uh, text from Jason here. Said, how much did State turn the ball over after they settled in? Jans' teams out here hardly ever turned it over, certainly not to Howland's team's degree. Yeah, the settling in is correct. Once State got kind of, you know, settled into the game, they, they stopped turning the ball over and they started forcing turnovers, uh, was the other thing too. They had 13 steals in this game. I mean, that's, that's a great number. That's the kind of number you want to see defensively. I, I don't know if in, in the SEC, you know, that you can win games like they won Monday night? I don't know if you can. You're going to have to have some more scoring. You're going to have some, have some more shooting. They were just awful from three-point range. Just so bad in that game. Uh, and, I mean, that's something, you know, if you follow 
MSU basketball for the past few years has been kind of a, a concern. And, they, and it's, it's a concern that they, they tried, but they really weren't able to address in the transfer portal. Went after a couple of big shooters, you know, or, or what would this team be if Iverson Molinar had made the decision to come back? They don't have a guy like that out there, though, that you can just put the ball in his hands and he'll either drive to the bucket or he can pull up and, and, and hit a contested jumper. They got to find those guys. They have some opportunities there. I think Reed is a guy who could be that. I think Horton could be a guy like that. Jeffries could be a guy like that. I know the talent's there, but they got a lot of work to do. But I thought it was a good first win for Jans, and we'll see what Purcell does tonight. Back in action for the men, Friday in the Barstool Invitational, our friend Brandon Walker will be a big part of the coverage there. I mentioned this on Sports Talk Mississippi. Let me mention it again. No traditional SEC Network ESPN streaming for that game. Only available through Barstool Sports uh, and their streaming channels. When I see a link, I will retweet it. If you follow me on Twitter, you'll have it. But that game will not be. You can't just go to your SEC Network Plus that you normally go to and expect Bart and Charlie on the call. You're going to have to to, to do this through through Barstool. And I believe Dave Portnoy and, and Barstool Big Cat will be on the call. So I don't know how that's going to go. I would expect some adult language as well. If you're just thinking, oh, I'm going to, it's going to be great. I'm going to sit here and listen to a basketball game and the whole family can enjoy it. Eh, I don't know. I don't quite know how I feel about that one. Maybe want to just keep an eye out for some, for some language there. Maybe, maybe a little TVMA at the Barstool Invitational. Plus Brandon Walker. So God only knows what he's going to say. And it's all uh, said and done. All right, we'll wrap things up when we come back. I'll give you a couple players to watch and my prediction uh, for Mississippi State, Georgia. This is Thunder and Lightning on Super Talk, Mississippi. Thunder and lightning on Super Talk Mississippi. I am absolutely and completely thunderstruck. Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. I'm Brian Haydad. Thanks again for tuning in, making me part of your Wednesday evening, talking Mississippi State sports. Big game for Mississippi State, obviously. Anytime the number one team in the nation comes, it doesn't matter what your record is. When they come to to town, it's a big game because you have a chance to make a statement. You have a chance to make history. You know, I'm telling you right now, for me, for Brian Haydad, a win on Saturday would be right there with 1980 for Mississippi State, maybe maybe even bigger. It's because of what college football is now versus what it was then. So I'm just I'm just throwing that out there. Try to speak it into existence. I don't know. Some players to watch, some playmakers. And we will, as always, invoke the no Will Rogers rule, although Will is a huge part of the guy I'm going to pick. And I, I picked him, I think, for three straight weeks. But Jaquavius Marks. Needs the football. You got to put the football in his hands. He had the winning touchdown against Auburn. 
So I take credit. I get I get a point for him being my playmaker. I think that he is he, he needs to be a bigger part of this offense right now. State has to run the football. If they don't, then just don't don't come to the game. If you're going to come out there and throw the ball 90% of the time against Georgia, you're going to play offense the way you played against Auburn. Just save yourself the trouble. You got to run the football. You got to get back to what you were doing that worked. It worked. I make the joke all the time about coaches, you know, they'll get away from what works faster than anybody else, but you got to get back to it. You don't have any choice. It's got to be that way. Marks. I think he, I, I just, I, I don't trust Jalen Johnson to be totally healthy yet. So Jaquavius Marks has my vote for my offensive playmaker. Defensively, I said it earlier in the show, there's one guy on this field who can stand toe to toe with Georgia. And if, if Stetson Bennett makes a mistake, there's one guy on the field who can, you can trust to take advantage and put Mississippi State in a good position. That's Emmanuel Forbes. Didn't really miss him last week because Auburn is so one-dimensional. So much of a passing, you know, no passing threat. So Emmanuel Forbes for me is the guy. X Factor, I mean, I feel like if you don't pick Tulu at this point because if they kick the ball off to him, he has the opportunity to take it the other way. He's just, in my opinion, the best return man in the SEC. It was ridiculous that he wasn't listed on the All-SEC team preseason. He will be on there for postseason. So we'll go with Tulu to make a play that, that, you know, we'll see if it makes a difference. Will it make a difference? Eh. I don't know. I don't think so. I've said all this. I've talked, I've built it up. And, oh, anything can happen. And I'm just going to tell you, I think State's going to get beat pretty easily. And I just, I just feel like it'll be a sort of a similar situation these past few games where the, 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 the dam just breaks late defensively and Georgia gets a couple of big plays and turns what may have looked like a reasonably close game into less of one. 42-17, Georgia. You know, maybe a situation where it's, it's 28-10 going into the fourth and you think, well, if they could just get a score here, I don't know. And then Georgia, you know, gets a couple scores, and that's just the end. They take the top off. So I hate to do it, you know. But then after that, you got you know you, you can bounce back with an easy win against the FCS team, and then you go to the Egg Bowl, and you just you have you have to see what happens. Same thing I'm talking about here, and it's it's even easier. Easier is not the right word, but State playing its best and Ole Miss not playing its best. State wins. State can will win that game. Ole Miss is going to have to play a good game. And if State doesn't play well, they got no shot. No chance to beat the Rebels. It all builds down to that. Always the most important game, but this year, more so than ever, Mississippi State and, uh, and Ole Miss. But we're a couple weeks away from talking about that. And we will talk about it. All right, this week, uh, if you check out the Tailgate Show here in Starville, WKBBFM, and it's available online, so you don't have to be in the area to listen to it uh, here. But I had a really good show. Talked with Jordan Hill. He covers Mississippi State. For uh, Dogs 24-7. I'm sorry, covers Georgia. Georgia for Dogs 24-7. But more importantly, I talked to Mississippi State Interim Athletic Director Bracky Brett for that show. Got his thoughts on his new role here in Starkville and, of course, his thoughts on the Bulldog Initiative. Huge week for those guys last week. State's NIL group picked up nearly a 1,000 members. Uh, they're looking to continue to grow over the, the coming weeks as, as you know NIL just becomes this bigger and bigger thing. I thought his perspective was very interesting because he had spent his whole career in compliance trying to keep boosters from paying players, and now he's just like, yes, pay the players. It's funny uh, how, how things work uh, in this life for sure. So to check that out, it will air at 3 p.m. 
on uh, WKBB 100.9. And like I said, if you have your Super Talk app, you can find it. Uh, if you go to supertalk.fm, uh, you can find it, and we'll go from there. So that'll be a fun show. Thunder and Lightning uh, tomorrow and Friday. Friday show, you know that's the three Ps where we give you the full preview for Mississippi State and for Georgia. Only two, only three football games left. We wait all year for these things, and here we are now towards the end. Looking forward to a big crowd. Going to be cold. Bundle up. I know it says stripe out, man, but just wear something warm. It'll be all right. Nobody's going to get on to you if you don't wear white or maroon in your section. At least they should. For Rhino down there in Studio X, I'm Brian Haydad. Thank you once again for listening to Thunder and Lightning here on Super Talk Mississippi. Talk Mississippi Media Production.